friends, welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Grivy, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and guy that you never want to say talk to me to. Oh, you say talk to me all the time, bruh. It's Alex Tandino. <laughs> Definitely just don't say let it, I let you in. The talking is mostly yeah. okay. Talk to me is okay. I let you. Yeah. You have to say. If we, if, yeah. If you keep a fine Zoom barrier between yeah. this you and is, my co host, this is a fuck. solid shield. Yeah. Once you offer him your body, <laughs> then it gets done. You talk to my wife. Right. Yeah. Before today's just stuffed episode, uh, a little business. It is official. We're on Patreon. That's right. Patreon.com slash film alchemist pod. The very show you're about to listen to today. Talk to me. Selected by our dear friend, wonderful, beautiful Australian man, Brody Kane, was selected because he is one of our patrons and friends. Are you going to attempt an Australian accent? I don't do that. No, I don't know. That was almost like Boston. (laughs) No, that was like a New Zealand southern twang kind of thing. That's not a knife. He is a knife. There you go. Crocodile Dundee. That was closer. That was close. Oh, blimey. Look at the bull sack on that and... Right? That was like Steve Irwin. It's like Cockney, but yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't have as many touch points. <laughs> Anyways, we're trying to fucking get your monies. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so Brody selected Talk to Me. It went into the hopper with our other patrons. And you know every December we stuff your stockings or our patrons' stockings. So we programmed our entire December schedule with selections that our patrons wish to hear episodes on. Uh, So, again, Patreon's the best way to help us grow the show, the best way to support the show. We appreciate everyone who's kind enough to do that. And also, we appreciate those of you who are about to, as well. The YouTube is Film Alchemist. The email is filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. You can find us on all the socials. You can find movies we're making at misfitparade.net. Make sure you leave five-star ratings and reviews everywhere and anywhere you listen to podcasts. And guys, for the love of gods, for love of the gods, reach out to a movie-loving friend and let them know what we're working on over here. Send them an episode that they have a movie they like, and we'll take it from there. All right. It's a new one that I actually cannot believe we didn't get to in October. I would say this is, and we're recording this before December. Mm -hmm. As it stands now, this is my third favorite horror movie of the year. I would go Infinity Pool. Right? I don't think that'll be everyone's, but it's kind of right in my wheelhouse. Sure, sure. And then When Evil Lurks is gnarly as shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then this one. And when I saw Talk to Me in theaters, I went with our fellow Misfit Parade uh, guy, director, CEO, Heath Benfield. And we watched it, and I remember, eh, I was like lukewarm. Right? Sure. Like, there were definitely some scenes that were metal as fucking Sure, ripped. sure. Like, absolute bang. Like, that opening, banger. The first time they touch the hand, banger. Mm-hmm. When the little brother tricks his way into the hand and regrets it, banger. Yep. Everything else I was a little unsure of. I thought it was kind of thematically loose. It was one of the first movies where I'm like, oh, I'm aging well beyond horror movies where like the kids and the way they speak are like aliens to me now. And I was like, oh, I'm like the old ass dude, right? Okay, fair enough. It's like when you watch South Park and you're like, oh, now I'm a Randy Marsh and not a Cartman. Yeah. Right. When you start relating to Randy Marsh, that's how you know you've crossed a threshold. Yeah. When that's the story you want, you're like, oh, fuck, I'm old now. Um, So it just didn't click with me on all levels. I knew it was a very well-crafted, rock-solid outing. Mm-hmm. When I watched it last night, this movie's a fucking screamer, dude. This movie is rock-solid across the board. I actually found thematically it impacted me a lot more upon a second viewing. Mm-hmm. I think this kind of the the ghost of our past that we can never reach again and the ghost that we become in the present and the ghost of the relationships future that we kind of stunt and ruin because we spend all our time seeing that big empty hole where we think our life should be. Right. I actually think this movie soars on those levels. And uh, it's just it's a really impressive and fully formed movie um, that I got so much more out of this time. So, Alex, opening thoughts on talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to me. Um, Hey, talk to me. Hey, talk Talk to to me. me. 
Ah, you're a fetus. You're a fetus. See, I'm more. I do more. I do more the New Zealand thing a lot of the time. Like he talk with TD talk. See, that's yeah. that's. I don't know. I can't do it. I'm just ripping lawn dots. You're a fetus. <laughs> I'm having a smoking Marlboro Reds. <laughs> Um, Brody's probably just I can hear him just screaming from rolling Australia. over just you yeah. fucks <laughs> you fucks um I move on <laughs> this movie uh yeah I don't I didn't really know what to expect I really liked that it was not what I expected I actually think it's probably one of my favorite movies I watched this year um, oh yeah top 10 for the year top 10 top 10 easy. for the year for sure um it's funny too because i went and saw an asc screening of oppenheimer last night and it's just like this room filled with film people who and they must have cleaned it was at the amc city walk so like they must have cleaned the the imax camp the imax projector because it was like it was the most pristine imax experience i've had in a long time and then the dp hoita van hoitema was down there talking with all this technical shit it's like wow a lot of artists in the room. And I was half anticipating that usual thing when Q&A happens where people are like, as a filmmaker, I have a question. Um, that didn't happen, which I loved. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to go home and watch um, I'm gonna go home and watch Talk To Me. Talk To Me. And the movie started earlier enough where I got home in a time where I could actually walk Talk To Me without it being like one in the morning. Um, so I got home, sat down, and started watching it, and was like really pleasantly surprised by how great this like double feature ended up being. Um, yeah, the movie is just chock full of great, uh, great moments about like really like trauma and the mm-hmm. truth of trauma and what it means to have to sit in your trauma, and not only that, to have to find out what like to get to the bottom of what your truth is when it comes to, you know, and both of us have had people in our lives who, you know, unfortunately have gone away and that was, you know, it's always very tragic and very sad when it happens. And I think I really, I relate to this notion of what was the truth of that? Like, what was the truth? And not necessarily like, Oh, I have to hold, you know, I'm not going to do a seance and try to like figure out where that person is. That's not my business. But like having to grapple with the truth of the moment is uh, something that I really latched onto, and it was just and again, right. I liked that it was not jumpy, and this happens a lot with the uh, Australian horror films. I don't know what this is, but like when we watch Australian horror films, I do not feel like we're getting just inundated with jump scares. Like it's this really great used for effect, not sound effect laden jump, and like that. Yeah, I agree with you, though. There's just scenes in this movie that stick with you. I don't think I'll ever not, not just the opener, but that scene where the kid is possessed was, that is like an all-time. I want one of them hands. I want want one of them hands. I need me one of them hands. I want one on my desk because it's just so cool. So good. But let's. We'll we'll start kind of high mind and then work our way down as we always do. Um. If you take a step back at what this movie is, right, and the journey of grief, struggle, depression, how we bounce off each other, I love the kind of layering because there's this moment where she finds the like injured kangaroo. Mm-hmm. She's like, "No, leave Again, it." Again, great moment. And I was like, "See that moment?" I was like, "That's pretty fucking dumb." One kangaroos just look stupid. <laughs> like shots fired, Australia. One of the dumbest animals. I know they get like super jacked damn and fight like, like fist fight australians over dogs right kangaroos are a pretty fucking stupid animal like there's just something about their little dumb heads like they just look ridiculous and so watching a kangaroo maybe it's just the american in me but i was like if that was like a good old dog like a good old american dog named like richard well, right maybe i'd feel the kangaroo i was like what a dumb animal and then at the end when it's like bouncing and like the ghost kangaroos in the hospital i was like you kind of pulled me out a little there. Like, I'm kind of not loving the... I think, like, I think the second time we but, see it, yeah, the level of absurdity is a little... You're like, hmm. Yeah. You're like, maybe show me more of the kid being fucking, like, licked, covered in Salisbury steak gravy yeah. in hell around this dumbass kangaroo. So there's this moment early where I was like, oh, these are young filmmakers, right? The Rucka Rucka guys, I think they're called, came from YouTube. And now they're, like, another of these great, like, we can all do it, dude. We can make it. Um, success stories but there's a moment watching that where i was like oh no 
I was like, someone saw the invitation and they're like, we'll do that. And I was like, okay, I was losing a little faith in it, right? Sure. And the idea that they're having like this two-year mother's funeral day, but she's not, she died like two. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm a little confused and lost. Rips, 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 rips. We'll get into some of the machinations, but as you start seeing like the ghost not associated with the hand, mm-hmm. I just felt like I was getting lost. Today, though, what I realized watching it, right, this journey of seeing the ghost mom and the dad being the first time we see the dad, you can barely hear him. He's out of focus. He's fuzzy. He is a ghost in her own life. Yeah. I think there's some very well thought out and impressive decisions to create these ghostly characters all around us. Because what's obviously most memorable about memorable about the movie are just the fucking gnarly high octane possession yeah. scenes. But I think today I was able to really fully appreciate right. I mean that's in between scenes. That stuff is what's gonna get butts in the seats for sure. I think that Oh yeah. I think that what makes the in-between scenes, what makes the scenes that, like, essentially drive the plot forward impactful, at least for me, again, this is my first viewing, but I think for me what makes them impactful is that, A, those performances are just top-notch, man. Like, uh, I do not, I did yeah. not catch that girl's name who um, plays Mia. They fought hard to get her in. The, they wanted her to not be in the movie for sure, too. She's absolutely incredible. Like Stunner. I mean, uh, the, the, the core cast of like, and I mean, not only that rounding it out with like Miranda Otto, man, just mm-hmm. like, there's like those core four of like her, Sophie Jade, Wild, Sophie Wild, Sophie Wild. Thank you. Like her, Joe Jade, Bird is Riley, Alexander Jensen. Like these are good performances. These are great performances. So I think what drives the plot during that moment. And again, like I actually don't have a problem with, the, again, the kangaroo thing in the beginning is more of a cultural it's thing. Just a, it's a dumb animal. It's a deer. It's the same thing as a deer. It's a deer, but like dumb, right? Like a it's deer's the, like. But okay, if but deers wore let's say white there's beaters, not a lot of deer in Australia. Monster energy drink and smack their wives around. That's what a kangaroo is. Okay, but let's say there's not a lot. Deers of Deers are majestic. Let's say there's not a lot of deers in Australia. Right, and maybe it's kangaroos. But there man, fuck kangaroos! Don't they have dogs? It's a cold. Ain't you got some dogs? Yeah, but who wants? Nobody wants to kill a dog. There can't be anyone who's sad when a kangaroo goes down because they fucking are dog eaters. Like they try to kill dogs and shit. Brody's just screaming. I can hear him. (laughs) We're just coming after. You know what else is stupid? Surfing. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, I. I'm not coming after. But I actually. Thor. I actually really like that moment. In I like the moment where she like decides not to mercy kill because it says a lot again like. I like those scenes that say a lot about characters, just like in those moments. And I think that's like a really fascinating thing about Sophie Wilde's performance is like her unwillingness to like mercy kill this animal that clearly needs it. It's yeah. like it says a lot about her un- her willing her her being unwilling to let go. So you know so much al- already about her going into the next scene, which is eventually the possession stuff. Right. I think it's like the kangaroo stuff and the love triangle. Like, he used to be my boyfriend. Hey, did you know he used to be like that kind of stuff? I don't care about any of that. That's where it's like thematically, it's like, oh, you're doing this really big with finger paints, right? It's kind of clumsy. And it's like, it's not that it's wrong. It's just that it's not good. Sure. Right? Like, watching her ignore her dad as if he's a ghost at the mom's funeral and then forsaking that to go pick up her friend's brother. Is they sing uproariously in the car and she retreats to that family and we watch her seamlessly sink into that family. Also no dad around. And you watch this this journey of this girl who's distraught. She's running from her father. We're imagining what this man's life must be. But she's found this other family. And so like those moments of like real drama and world building are so good that there are these other things. I'm like, dude, the love triangle offers nothing to this movie. I agree. I right? mean, I think the kangaroo that, offers nothing, but we're setting this tone that. with her where she's like, you know, who am I trying? And watching her run from her father to her family is this really interesting launch pad for I want to go see this party with this TikTok shit, even though she's not welcome at the party because everyone seems to think she's an oddball. Right. It sets this really nice world that I appreciated a lot more today. Um, 
We'll get to more of that later. Let's talk about this fucking ritual. I thought when I went in, I said the hardest thing this movie's going to have to fucking prove. Right? How can this shit be scary at all? When it's a bunch of fucking teens and preteens watching it happen through their phones for TikTok clout. Right? There's an inherent nature of well, if they're not even taking it serious and they're not fucking scared, why do I give a fuck? I actually think that first scene with the hand is fucking amazing because there are moments when Mia is under. And granted, it just looks awesome. It's fucking cool. There is something about this and the pairing it with that cold open, right, with Duckett, where the brother's, like, breaking down the door and he's like, stop fucking filming. What's fucking wrong with you? We thought you were friends. And then Duckett fucking stabs his ass and kills himself by stabbing himself in the eye. There is something this movie does so well, which I actually didn't know if they were going to accomplish, which is watching these moments of fucking pure horror, like real darkness. Imagine that this were real. And me and you were at a party. Well, also imagine that we were young enough to be at a party where everyone's on TikTok, right? Neither here nor there. That's pretty hard. Imagine you're watching this fucking hand thing and you're like, I am watching a true validation of the supernatural. That when they say, talk to me, you grab the hand and say, talk to me, you see a ghost. You still have a moment to back out, right? But they won't because they're under the cameras and the scrutiny and you say, I let you in, right? It's wild that these kids are sitting there just filming that. I think the movie finds a way to that that belittling of it actually makes it scarier, if that makes any sense to you. What are your thoughts on the the ritual and it being used as this kind of social media fodder? I mean, it is like the just the proliferation of urban legend. Like, it's, you know, 90s, yeah. you know, we're 90s kids getting up through the night. So, like, to me, that's one of those things where urban legend and, you know, you pass the stories on the early days of the internet, which was like, you know, message boards and shit. This is that same thing. It's just a different, it's the same thing. It's just a different generation. And now we have the visual proof. And I think this is interesting too. I like that it embraces that technology because so often in the movies, and I know like we talked, I don't know if we talked about this. We talked about this with the ring, like so often in movies, technology is one of those things where it's like, okay, I get it. However, you can just turn shit off a lot of the time. It's fine. Like, I'll just turn it off. It's, it's, it's all good. Like, you can't, you know, it's fine. Like, I, again, I, I, I don't care. I like that. Um, I like that in general, embracing that technology and making it part of the story itself is probably where we're going. And we probably need that. And not saying like, oh, it was you know the camera the camera cut out right when something crazy right. happened like there being visual right. evidence for other people to see i think that that is like that's i a, think you've hit a, a crucial point here though that's a that's a that's a that's a good note for me that's a good thing. right and i i think what i'm pulling from what you're saying is a crucial note right is that unlike the ring it's like just break the vhs and you'll die but no one else will ever die again right the technology becomes a hindrance the this movie i think a lot of people have recognized this right this is not like an insightful take but this becomes kind of a a a drug story right this this plays very much on this we've got to chase this high over and over what i what i love about the way they do it and the thing that i didn't see initially because i'm old and i'm not of the generation that needs to be filming every fucking stupid thing we do as if we are media stars and fucking like on the edge right what it is that the adrenaline they're chasing the junkiness they are chasing has nothing to do with this ghost or what they can learn from these ghosts most of these kids are just doing it as a fucking laugh right and i love the way they film it you can see these real delineations in the the framing and the staging between people who have seen it and are excited to watch other people be scared and infected by it Versus people who are not have not done it and are still wanting to believe it's all bullshit, right? I love that about it. Yeah. 
the dr the drug they're chasing is not more ghosts. I guess you could argue me as chasing something very much more specific. What they're chasing is just that being seen, mm -hmm. right? They're they're playing on this social media is the drug, right? Like, why would you keep risking this and doing? Again, they are confronted with this evidence of a a world beyond dark magics, all this and that. They don't fucking care, man. They just want funny videos. They want to see the Christian boy have his first kiss with the fucking dog so they can disgrace and embarrass him. And what does that guy do after he kisses the fucking dog? We see him in the montage go back for more. Yeah. Right? The disease that they are chasing is to be seen and heard. Right. Which becomes this really interesting parallel with Mia's journey. Which is wondering what she is and how people view her post her tragedy. So, again, I, I do just think it's it's thematically so much stronger and more connected than I thought the first time I watched it. Yeah, I mean, I think when it started getting to um, when she stole, when she took the hand, I was wondering if we were going to get into, like, an addiction metaphor. Because like I was like that would make you know that would make sense. Those like, first two scenes, it plays very much like addiction, right? Like that's kind yeah. of where I thought we were heading towards, and I'm glad it didn't. Because like yeah. to be honest, oh, uh, we're getting you, together with our friends and we're we're burning them. Yeah, like you know, souls that is, and it's like, well, all right. And I'm glad it didn't, because to be honest with you, like that would have been. I think that would have been like such a ham-fisted beat that I yeah, think like the Evil Dead very successfully did a drug metaphor, but that was the point. Yeah. This one, that's not what this movie's about. Again, it's not about that. That's not what we're getting at. I, I, I like that it becomes about the fundamental truth of fundamental truth of things we don't understand. So I think that I just there's so much there's so much pre prevalent tragedy throughout the movie that is not just like from the past, but contemporary. Like when Riley just destroys himself under hypnosis so let's let's pause here and break this down a hair because this to me is the scene of the flick i agree right so they're running around we've already seen this dude kissing a dog we've seen some evidence that they have some extra power than we think right yeah. and riley is this kid who's what like 13 14 years old mm -hmm. and he's trying to be cool i want to do it i want to do it i'm tired of my fat mulleted friend calling me a fetus Right? He's like, I want to be cute. I want to do it. That was almost like a fucking get, get ring. Neither here nor there. Get, you were getting into Beatles territory yeah. there. Oh, my God. Neither <laughs> here nor there. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. From uh, Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll write a song. I don't know. I guess I'll write a song. <laughs> I guess I'll write a song about it. Yeah. It'll take me a couple of minutes. Give me a, give me a close it. No, uh, Are we being there. offensive by doing bad Australian into Liverpool accents? No, because they're whites. Know. You can't get in trouble for <laughs> imitating white people. <laughs> That's true. Right? Uh, Neither here nor there. I hope that's true. <laughs> so, he just wants to be seen. Why in this moment, why the fuck does Mia fight to let this kid do this? Why does she go against her best friend's wishes and want him to do this? And a twofold part question, right? So, one, why is Mia fucking doing this? She knows it's fucking wrong. And I get it, it's a horror movie, so miss me with the, well, everything Mia does is wrong and terrible in the movie. True. But the rest of it is fairly <laughs> motivated, right? She's one of those, it's, this is a horror movie where you scream at your TV because you want them to make better choices and they can't, they're self-destroyers. Fine, the rest of it's pretty motivated. So this is a two-part question, right? Why the fuck, after she has partaken in this, does she go against her best friend's wishes in the house of her best friend's family, right? That she feels kin kinship with. Why would she fight so hard for Riley to get a swing at this thing? And then two, because the problem is she lets it go long because she thinks it's her mom. Right. She's looking for her mom clearly from the very first moment she does this game, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So here's the question. This is the real question, right? Why push for Riley to do it? And secondly... Why, when she sees Riley get hurt that bad, can she still keep up this belief that that was her mother inside of that child? I thought about this a lot last night after I watched it, too. Because to me, that is like the real... That's really the, like, we talk about this, the one you give. That's really like the one you have to give for this movie is the logic 
so dictates like this has to end you know what i mean because that makes no sense to me like just from a basic human logic perspective what would make you think that your mother would put that child through that like would that not be a malevolent spirit so on and so forth having said that right first part of your question why there is a level of euphoria that i think it's like well that to me was more drug metaphor than anything is just like a, you know it feels good so why would you deny someone that you love the feeling of feeling good Maybe. I don't know. Probably not the greatest explanation, but that's the one that I that's the conclusion I came to because the second part of your question, which is completely valid, doesn't make any sense. And I honestly can't explain it other than just saying that's the one you give by saying that Mia's motivation to see her mother is so intense, like so strong that she'll essentially stop at nothing. Even like when you see the physical harm it causes, she has to assume that there's a reason for it. Just like you'd be searching for the truth of your mother committing suicide. There has to be a reason for it. And I think that's right. there, the search this, for truth. There's this soul crushing moment where she's laying it before she does the toe sucking. That's not soul crushing. That's just good old fun, right? That's good old teenage fun. We've all been there. Um, her watching the videos of her mom on the phone and this kind of like fun, charming relationship they have. Because mm -hmm. we never really dig that much into mom, right? We see that and we kind of extrapolate out that they must have had this fun thing. Clearly some other stuff was going on. There's this moment where the dad is like, I gotta be honest with you. There's, after she almost kills that fucking kid, right? By letting him go for like two plus minutes and he smashed his fucking face open. Right. She comes home and the dad's like, hey, what the fuck? And she's like, you long to me about mom. And he's like, well, that doesn't seem appropriate now. Like, that's not a good way to get out of trouble. And she runs away, right? And I was like, damn, dude, parent a little. The next scene, he's like, all right, I go to be honest. I go to be honest. I lied about mom. There was a letter. She knew how to write letters. And here it is. And it's just the mom what just being this? like, it's rainy. I'm sorry. Like, I, I, you know, I'm not having a bad day. Today's the day. I think that moment is fucking devastatingly rolled out to us. The way they dole out little bits. Right. Because she just starts saying no, no, no. She hugs her father. And it's this moment of acceptance of the tragedy that they have shared. The weight that they have carried. She then in the reflection sees her mom. Mom air quotes, right? Not her mom, but she thinks. Pushes away from her dad. Goes to a room where the mom's like, he's lying, he killed me. He definitely is going to kill you, he's not nice. And she's like, yeah, that makes sense. That tracks with the man I've seen. And yes, she can create some auditory bangs and a ghost-eyed dad who leaps out at her. Yeah. When she stabs the scissors into her dad's throat, it's... I think this is the bit where, like, I was lost the first time I watched it. Yeah. It's like, it is so asinine and stupid and unacceptable... That this dad that she's lived with her whole life, who when the mom died seemingly has like picked it up and been a good dad. He's trying to reach out to her, right? That she's just like, yeah, he clearly killed mom. Like believes this conspiracy. She so wants her mother back that she destroys her father. Right. This ghostly figure throughout the movie she hasn't seen. It's like, it's just hard for me to accept that Mia's so fucking stupid. And I know what people are saying. She's not stupid. She's aggrieved. And I'm like, I have had a family member go this way. Yeah. And it is fucking horrendous. It's horrible. Right? It, it is truly a tragic beyond describe, right? And mm -hmm. it was one of my younger cousins who I love very dearly. Yeah. No justice. There's it, To me, it was one of those, like, there is no fucking God in the universe that this kind of thing happens, right? Right. I get how destructive it is. I also wasn't like, yeah, I better kill my wife because I'm seeing pictures. Right? Like, that's just stupid. Like, it is just hard to accept. And so what I tried to take away the second time is just honing in more on, like, riding the giant waves of emotion, right? Rather than trying to stick and be like, this is not a person in the right mind. Yeah. Because I think if you take her as just a psychotic break person, it's not as interesting of a movie. Well, but I you agree. just ride I, I... the crescendo... 
But I mean, I think the value of the story and the way the narrative functions itself is that like you have to ride the wave of emotion because if you get bogged down in what I would call like horror movie rules and all the other things that like come with a movie like this, right? It's not, it's not enjoyable. Like, but you have to ride this wave of emotion with this character because what's happening is so outside the, it's so outside. And again, I don't, you know, you have problems, call someone, please, for the love of God. Like that's what, that's what your friends are for. That's what people are for. Call them, contact Mm -hmm. them. But it's so far outside the, so far outside rational thought Mm -hmm. that it's just, it's just so beyond anything. Like, I don't know how else to describe it before saying that because I well, don't this, like this. Is so the, you yeah. have to go with that. You have got to go with yeah. the with the ride. Because what I what I took from it is the first time I was just kind of watching it as the story they were telling me. Right. And I was like, wait, so she can just say talk to me to ghost and talk to them. But if she doesn't say let you, I let you in then they can't do shit. But then other ghosts, as soon as you touch the hand, they're following you forever and can create these fucking imaginary puppets and be your mom and read your mind. It's like, all right, this is kind of fucking right. messy. Right. But I was like, take that. I said, Oh, this kid just fucking stabbed himself in the eye at the party. And these two fucking idiot, like the worst Jay and silent bobs, but like for the new age where they're just like, I fuck off. I want to do a guy at your house. Ah. Like the two people that have the hand are obnoxious. They're terrible. They're fucking terrible. Yeah. Right. And they might be great actors. Maybe that's what the script called for. They're fucking hard to watch in this movie. You hate them. And I'm well, like, they just are like, yeah, oh, people are stabbing like themselves perfor- in the face. This you mean their cool. performances? Wait, are you talking about their performances? Yeah. Oh, see, in their ca- characters as written. I was going to say, like, to me, they just came off as like obnoxious, you know, well, they're, they're just mille- douche, millennial like they're, they're, Gen Z yeah, kids or whatever they are. Like, they're just sitting on the car, like smoking a cig. And it's like, yeah, maybe we'll come to my hands later. Now, pop off and it's like who the fuck like you're like the worst cool kid at school i've ever seen like what is this fucking weird you're wielding this unnatural power around with an embalmed hand and you're being like so cavalier about it as a party trick yeah you definitely were at the party where a guy stabbed himself in the fucking eyeball like you were a part of a talk to me group already this and already like, went bad once, and you think, you're like, oh, let's keep going. Oh, it's up to you if a 14-year-old does it, mate. Oh, <laughs> it's like, get the fuck out. So it is, it's funny because I felt like the movie emotionally connected for me a lot more. Even if I feel like if you kind of twist down, and again, this is the hard part of these movies. The Ring, it follows. Talk to me. The, the machinations of these games are really fucking hard. Really hard. Like, why is Mia the one that this thing is tracking so devil may care and not any of the fucking 100 other people at school? Why is there not a spirit for all of them to track them down and do this, right? Yeah. Like, everyone who said, I let you in, why wouldn't this be happening to all of them? This widespread mass hysteria. You're like, all right, don't fucking think too hard. Right? Like, why do they have to do the the talk to me and then seeing it and having a moment to make a better choice and saying, I let you in anyways? That's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, but then she's, like, doing it by herself. And then they're like, well, if we fucking blow a candle out, that'll close the door on him. I was like, all right, now we're just getting yeah. fucking See, that's stupid. like, so this is the part that I thought was, like, kind of the, this is the, like, like we talk about the rules that are set up in this. Like universe. it follows is a great example of like awesome idea that they cannot follow through logically. And it's funny you say it follows because that was exactly what I thought of when it yeah. got to. Um, so after she has that vision of yeah Riley getting like Salisbury staked in the whatever limbo land or whatever it is, she takes the uh, awesome fucking moment. Yeah, it was when great. the little girl's like. I let you in and she sees that was That's fucking, fucking metal. awesome. That but, was cool so that shit. scene again. It's like, <laughs> that's the part when she takes the hand <laughs> and she like takes the hand, puts the unconscious child's hand in the yeah. hand. He's like, uh, <laughs> she's talk, like, hi, hey, he talks hi. to you. And they're like, and talk the ghost like he, he's not. He lets you no, in. No, no, he's he, not. Yeah, he, he's talking to you in his in his brain, in his hell brain. He's talking to you, and they're that like, was my favorite. "No, he's laying there. He's beeping. He's not then, talking to me." Because then, right after, she's like, she, "She's like, she's like, I let you in," and she sees him. He's like, "Oh, he's already in. It's all good. 
He's already in there. It's, it's fine. He was already in. Uh, Getting just like, yeah, Salisbury staked. Which, and he, which like, again, they also the add this other thing I fucking this, hate. They had this other thing I kind of hated too, which is where they find Duckett's brother and he's like, you fucking piece of shit. He's like, oh, you just going to keep letting everyone ruin their lives, mate? You fucking piece of shit. Yeah. You fucking asshole. Or whatever, right? And it's like, yeah, maybe you should have like told the cops. Maybe you should have taken the hand. The sister whose brother died, like, why didn't you tell your cool ass mom? Neither here nor there. Right? He goes, hey, if you just, if you if you leave it alone, stop talking to the spirits, eye, they, they'll get cranky and they'll leave. They'll go for a, a snick. They'll go for a snick and be gone. And they're like, it's working. And we watch Mia like, no, dog, I killed my dad. Like, it's 100%, yeah, it's 100% go time. Yeah. And it's, it's excruciating because it's like, why is Mia all of a sudden so fucking dumb and evil? And it is I, this like, weird, it gets back evil, to the authorship stupid. of, well, right, it's like she's a young, naive person who's broken from trauma. Mm-hmm. This event of her friend, a 14-year-old, essentially brother, damn near fucking killing himself has sent her over the edge. And the movie gives itself a lot of nice cover of, like, these are fucking idiot children. Like, none of them is particularly smart or doing anything a smart person would do. So it gives you a lot of cover to say, yeah, well, when I was a teenager, it was also 98% emotion and 2% brain. Right. I get it. Like, I, I do mostly understand that. And I felt like even if there are things in the movie that are hard for me to swallow, the moment of her pulling back from her dad because she wants to believe her the image of her mom, that he's a murderer, like... That's powerful emotional stuff. And I feel like the scene when the mom's like, I'm so sorry I yelled at you. You've always been a part of our family, right? Like, there were no drugs in his system. I'm really fucking sorry. And she's like, can I have a minute alone with him? And the mom leaves. And you're like, no, no. And she's pulling out the It's It's nailing what it's supposed to, which is these big emotional fucking tumult. Yeah. Right? Of this this young fucking broken teenage mind. So I, in a way, it's the things that bother me just kind of got washed away by how good the other stuff was to me. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's that to me is really what the hallmark of great horror, especially great horror movies in the 2020s is like that because that's where we're at now is there's so many buzzwords to describe like what the Ver- what era of horror we're in or whatever but like the problem is is there's constantly this like like i like all movies like movies are good movies are bad i don't give a shit movies are made so i'm gonna watch them this concept of like you know like we've talked about on the show like this elevated horror thing and all these things i think because you know a24 has this brand there's some expectation that goes with it this might be one of the more like, not to say it's a generic movie, but this might be one of the more generic horror films they've ever put out, really. Like, it's not yeah, some weird, twisty... Ter- it's like a very traditional... It's a very traditional, like, thriller for me. And I liked that a lot. But to me... Well, they, they struck fucking lightning with that hand. Like, that yeah. is such an iconic Great prop, iconography. or it will become. Totally. And so you're like, on just the branding level, like, that seems A24. Yeah, totally. The movie itself... Pretty... It's not very art house at all. No, not at all. And that's yeah. not a bad thing, by the way. I think that's great. No, no, like, no. I like well, watching you, the movie. You said, right, I also don't love the term elevated whore. Because I don't know right? what that means. I think there's, I think I think there's campy-ass whore that's trying to do nothing but be tongue-in-cheek fun and gory right. that's done really well. So well, to me, what I think of, the best horror movies have elevated emotional stakes. I agree. I think that's right? what it so is. Like, is like, if, you if have real emotions associated. Yeah, if the horror movie doesn't care about the emotions of the story or just fucking around right that's fine it's harder for me to get invested so elevated emotional stakes right elevated emotion that to me i think you can make that distinction right like when i watch leprechaun origins i'm not watching a movie that's asking a lot of me and so in return i don't give it much this is the one that i like (laughs) this is the one that always is that always comes up with this conversation not with elevated horror but just like the difference between what you're getting from like a movie like Talk to Me versus yeah. what I'm going to say, which is Cabin in the Woods, which is also yeah. a complicated thing because it's comedy as well. 
But like more to the point, when you get to the end of Cabin in the Woods, there's absolutely no emotion whatsoever associated with it. You're just like, oh, cool, that was a very cool. It's fun just having movie. a blast. That's just done having as a blast. Well that is just do. shoving popcorn in my mouth, loving every yeah. second of it. Fuck yeah, that is the I way love, to yeah, watch Friday a goddamn movie. I love Same all shit. those movies too. It's fine. When I, mean, I'm being... I think the elevated horror is like it's got to be these mysterious, overthought out, like fucking philosophical tree right. states. And that's fine no. if no, you no, no, want no. to do that. Like this, to me, right. talk to me does a, such a good job of skirting that line between like what I think makes movies commercially successful a lot of the time in 2023 and takes us on this emotional journey that lets us do that thing you're talking about, which is forget this level of this level of like scrutiny we have to put movies under sometimes and just go oh man that is fucking sick oh hell yeah, yeah suck toes like the and whole this thing is more of that right yeah. and again you can so art house and out clever yourself to where then i can't have emotional stakes and you are the same as hostile three to me right right human centipede two for me it's that's where this movie excel and the best horror movies just make me feel a ton yeah Absolutely. and that's what this one does so even though it's muddy and cluttered and i don't i can honestly say i like this i think it's like a four out of five star movie for me one of my favorite of the year mia's journey or arc is almost impossible to fucking defend in my mind it's like we're really taking you know this put upon kid what i'm really, just saying and now what if they were a huge piece of shit well what's and interesting, that is a struggle but what's interesting and i think this is what to that point what I really like is the way this movie ends because it does not like there's like the hero of this movie who we've been following, which is supposed to be Mia. It doesn't absolve her of any of her sins, which I think is really helpful. I agree. I think it's a really clever and pretty obvious place that it's going to end, I think. Oh, yeah. By the time we right? get to the beginning of the third act, we all know what's going to happen, which is fine. I don't have a right. problem with that at all. I just it's a very important thing to not do that thing that sometimes happens, which yeah. is when you want to do a sequel, which they're going to two and, hands. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. When you want to do a sequel, talk to me. Um, talk to when you want to do something to like talk that, to you me. <laughs> save your you save your heroin a lot of the time, and that's yeah. fine. I don't give a shit about that. We watch well, screen. We watch we watch five screams to get there. You know. I will say this: I think the sequel for this is gonna have a fucking slippery. There's up an uphill battle, battle, for sure. Because again, nothing with the hand really made sense as they deployed it, <laughs> right? Like the original game and the TikTok game, sure. Everything in the second act is but pretty as the, fucking muddled. But that's the thing is like the rules start sort of spinning out of control in a way. So that, if it's just watching this journey again, but with totally new characters, would you feel like, no. yeah, dude? Well, I think that's the thing is like I. By the end of the movie, I realized like and it's smart. We've been rooting for a protagonist that doesn't really deserve our attention. Because she okay. just keeps making bad decisions. I want your I want you to stop and elaborate on this though. Cause to <laughs> me, what I what it bothers me about the movie still and keeps it from being like a true blue, like this is a classic to me. Yeah. I do sympathize with this poor kid. And I think it is the screenwriter who holds all the fucking sins. Like, why are you making her do these outlandishly stupid things that she would never when well, she's pushing him out to the freeway? I was like, no. No, no, bad. Spraying water on the screenwriter through my screen. And then it's like, now you get to watch her fucking on the road, twisted up. Ooh, her dad's leaving. Her dad's a lonely piece of shit now. Oh, the lights are out and she's being called to the fucking hand. I was like, I don't want her to be a hand spirit. I wanted Mia to have a chance to write a better story but for herself. she wasn't going to. Unlike her mother. Like, I know the but movie at the, the end is saying... She has the same kind of mental makeup that her mom did. See, I didn't get that at all. That's not where I went with that. Like that's how I felt is that she was predisposed. Well, for one, you're conflating metaphysics and like this movie. Like I can't be argumentative with a screenwriter about a character he wrote when the character is the one also doing the same things. Like right, but there is a thing in like horror movies where the people are like, "Let's go hide in the windowless basement." You're like, "No, nope." 
No, literally no one right. would ever do that. I understand that. But I'm also not going to like just because the screenwriter isn't creative. That's that's a place. That's a, that's, a, that's a circumstance. These are people doing actions. Now, if the actions right. truly made no sense, even under Which, like the guise of hypnosis. Yes. Even under the guise of hypnosis, if they make no sense at all, we would have turned this movie off after 30 minutes. Why are we still watching it? Because plot is not story, right? So what Mia is doing makes no fucking logical sense at all. The story of her journey is still wildly captivating. There is no reason that her mom is like, Riley's hurting. He's suffering in the gravy bowl right now. And if you kill him, I'll watch him forever. Yeah. And Mia doesn't go, oh, you know where he is, but I have to kill him so that you can watch him in hell forever? Like... That seems like a bad deal, Mom. Can you elaborate? And the ghost's like, no, no, I can't. And Mia's like, sick, nailed it. I'm going to go stab Dad. We'll get get to work. Like, what? Like, there's no fucking rational reason why she makes the choices she makes. Like, the I'm going to go kill Riley is, like, one of the most asinine decisions. Like, her wanting to believe her mom and being tricked into stabbing her dad. Okay, I can go with you on that. That one I can kind of well, go. Didn't they but when say, she's like, didn't they say hey, the meet way they... me at my house and like is tricking her friend out of the room. Like that's a very sinister. Well, I think the problem is like the explanation they gave as to why she would like why Riley needed to die was is that's the only way. And I know she to... doesn't do it because he's a kangaroo, but still fuck off. All right, go ahead. Well, but regardless, like I think what's entertaining <laughs> to that point is the explanation that's given is logic, which is like, oh, well, if Riley gets killed, like the only way Riley, the only way Riley's relieved of these like hauntings is if he dies. I'm like, yeah, that's how most like death works. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get haunted anymore yeah. by other dead people. Yeah, Death relieves a ton of shit, dude. Yeah. <laughs> death, death would certainly do that. Yes. Yeah. That's a good also, point. It's like one of ghost those, mom. It's like, yeah. Why is she just like, yeah, she killed instead of like listening to the expert they sought out. It was like, you stop fucking with the ghost, mate, and they'll uh, they'll go away. They'll go away if it sneaks on. Like, there's no, the movie does not do a good job about being clear-eyed about. I feel like what people trying, are doing and why. I feel like the last ten minutes of the movie, we're trying very hard to get to the like final right. moment, and that's fine. It's just about keeping the emotions super fucking high, Agreed. which I Agreed. get. Fault that way, sure. But the idea that she goes through all this with mom and dad and blah, 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 and she sees the fucking ghost kangaroo, and she's like, nope, I better throw myself into the freeway. Right. Guys, come on. If you turn that in for screenwriting homework, you'd get a, nah, I don't think so. Go back to the drawing board on that. (laughs) And so it is, it's incredible that while the script is so fucking clunky, a lot, the, the characters are so good. Yeah. And the emotional journey is so fucking relatable that even as these fucking very foolish machinations play out. And again, I think the hand thing is mostly awesome until you start doing the, yeah, it likes to suck toes and kill dad. Hell yeah, suck toes. That's the second Chappelle show joke I made. Yeah. You don't even got to fucking give me a hand, dude. I'll just suck the toes, dude. You could film that for TikTok. No. um, But yeah, I think once we start. And again, the explanation, the explanation they give is like, oh, well, she's like, they don't like they give that like they say like, oh, well, what happens after 90 seconds? Like, oh, sometimes they want to stay. And I'm like, okay. Okay. And who knows that and why? Why do you know that? And how do you know the rules? Yeah. Only Riley's dead, but you're just going to do a talk to me by yourself. Okay. Okay. Like. And maybe she does the talk to me by her. This is the only explanation I can come up with. Is that she does the talk to me by herself. It does say I let you in. We just don't witness it. And so all of the stupidity and evil we see after the fact. Is her kind of trapped within her own vessel. Grappling with this. What I'm imagining is we'll get a. We'll get we'll get the word on that when the origin movie comes out. Are you talking to me? So. You talking to me? You talking to me? <laughs> I don't see anyone else here. You talking to me? And then we find out it's all a sequel to Taxi Driver. It's just me pounding on the back of her eyeball. No, <laughs> no. I didn't kill Pa. I'm smart enough to know that my mom wouldn't bash Riley's fucking brains in. It's uh, it's wild. And then it's like if it's his mom, if it's her mom that 
is possessing Riley and has him in the gravy bowl in hell. So when he's in the shower and he's bashing his head and licking blood and smiling. Yeah. Okay, well, if that demon's in the gravy bowl and Riley, who's the fucking demon that's looking like mom? Who's the demon that's like, sucking toes? Is that the yeah, same who's lady? Yeah, who's sucking toes? Like, is that her? Doesn't, that's yeah, the I was lady. like, is this like, is this like a, a fucking blue man group thing? Like, there's just a <laughs> bunch of these fucks? Hi, we travel in picks. <laughs> we travel in picks here. We're, we're best friends. You poke fingers at us. You poke fingers in all directions. <laughs> it's like I don't, I don't know. And it is. You, it's one of those you, normally hey, movies. You suck twos? Yeah. Normally movies with this much just like kind of blatant stupidity at times really bother me. Shouldn't work, but like this I can movie honestly say really this works. one doesn't. No, I just same. love the fucking ride of this. movie. It's a fucking blast. And I imagine there are a lot of people that are like, I think the journey's simple, and I get it, and you're an idiot. That's the point is because you're so invested emotionally that you don't care to really think it through, right? You just want to feel with me. It's like that Midsommar scene where Florence Pugh's screaming and all the girls are just like, you know what? We're here with you. Let's all do this together. It feels better to be in existential despair together. And you're like, yeah, dude, that's what I I just wanted Mia to have better. I don't think Mia needed to fucking be eaten up by this thing. But that's my American, dude. I'm not this fucking glib-ass Australian. In America, we have freedom, which leads to hope. Please stop. And capitalism, which leads to dreams, dude. I think Australia has all that same shit. Yeah, literally probably, like has everything, but yeah, like maybe a little just, bit better. Well, no, first off, because like we'd whip their ass in a fight. They still have, I mean, essentially, they're still a prison. And secondly, an American Eagle would rip a fucking kangaroo's dumb little pee head off. So miss me on that. We're just better. America's just better. Freedom! No, I, I don't know. Is that this podcast now? <laughs> I can't I don't, wait. For- I, did, I guess I didn't realize how much of a patriot I, I was can't wait until for I Rogan saw a kangaroo. <laughs> yeah. You- I didn't realize I was such a patriot. And then I got pissed about a kangaroo. And I was like, you know what rules? American shit. <laughs> I can't wait to watch Ben Shapiro's movie with Jordan Peterson and Joe Rogan. No, 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 no. I'll tell you something I hate more than kangaroos, Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro, yeah. Yeah. Ben Shapiro and all the dry-ass pussy around him is dumber than a kangaroo. That's fair. For certain. So, Australians, we can bond over that and fucking have WAP together. Off the rails. Great movie. Loved it. That's it. Go to Patreon if you want more of these fucking humdingers. Uh, Patreon.com slash Pod. The YouTube Film Alchemist. The email filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Ratings and reviews. Five stars everywhere. Tell your friends. Find our movies at Misfit Parade so you can talk about how dumb our scripts are. It's always the end of these shows that just go. It's always once it's I like feel the fucking It's like we say it. talk to me to each other and then we just suck toes. Yeah, I said let me into America and it was way more than I bargained yeah, for. They sucked your toes dry. <laughs>